This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter. All right, we are in week three of Faith of a Finisher. And what we're discussing uh, in this series that in the New Testament, we see the Apostle Paul, and we're looking a little bit at his life, that over and over again in the New Testament, we see life as compared to a race, that it's a race that we're running, and it's not a, it's not a sprint. We know that it is a marathon. It's for the long haul. It can be a relay race as we think about handing, uh, the, receiving the baton of the church from the previous generation, Christ followers, and then handing it off to the next generation that would follow us. But our individual lives sometimes look like a steeplechase. And if you don't know what a steeplechase is, it's a race with hurdles. And then sometimes on the other side of those hurdles, there's ditches with water in it. And sometimes life can be difficult. And sometimes the season that we're in can be difficult. And that's a little bit what we're discussing, that we want to be finishers. We just don't want to start the race. We want to finish the race. And not just the end of our lives but the specific season that we are in right now, that life kind of, and, and my, my mother has taught me a lot about this growing up, that life is seasons, that we're moving into the winter season, um, but also life goes through these seasons. There's specific times when you're, you know, a student, or a specific amount of time when you're single, or a specific, when you, when you enter the, into the marriage season, or if you have children, or, or what a, a season in your job. That we want to start that season, but we also want to finish that season well. And God has a prescription for us in the scripture. He has some thoughts for us so that we can finish the race well. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 5 says this, But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering at the time for my departure is near. Paul says this, I fought the good fight. I finished the race, I have kept the faith, and we should all desire this testimony for the season of life we are in. We fought the good fight, we finished the race, we finished the season, we kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge will award me on that day, and not only me, but to also to those who have longed for his appearing. So the Apostle Paul is doing a retrospective thought on his life, the season that he is in. And he said those three things. He fought, fought the fight, kept the faith, did these things. And he looked back, and we can learn from someone who's able to look back at their life and see what they did so that they got to the finish line because we want to get to the finish line. So we want to live every day with the finish line in mind, not just the immediate moment, not just the thing I'm experiencing right now, but where am I going in this season of life? What is the finish line for the season of life? And then it takes everything that we do, all of our obligations and our, our responsibilities, and gives them a brand new sense of meaning and purpose in our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. So what he's talking about here is not to beat other people, but to get the prize in the season of life that you really want to get to the finish line. 
We just don't want to start the race. We just don't want to make it halfway in the race, but we actually want to get to the finish line. We want to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But if we do it to get a crown that will last forever, therefore I do not run like some running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. So the week one, we talked about we have to be starters. If we're going to be finishers, we have to start. We can't be lazy. We have to know what we have to start right now in this season of life. And then a couple weeks ago, we talked about just this idea of living with intentionality, getting our lives on the path of God, staying on the path of God, understanding what the voice of God is in our lives, not just uh, living aimlessly, but on purpose living, living with intentionality. If you missed either of those messages, they are available on our website and then through our podcast and then also through our church app. Wasn't that a great message last week from Pastor Jordan when he was here? So good. It was just a, a great uh, sort of pastoral message for us as a church. So good. All right. So we are in week three. So we want to start. We talked about in week one, and then we want to get on the path. We want to live with intentionality. We want to live on purpose, the purposes of God. But as we're running the race, some of the, the races that we are running, some of the seasons that we are in, they could be different lengths. They could be some super short and some could be super long. And what I want to talk about today is an attitude that will carry us through the seasons of life. Just one. I'm just going to talk about one today. There's a bunch of great attitudes and we're going to talk kind of a little bit next week about another attitude. It's not really an attitude. You have to come to find out what it is. And... Um, but today I'm just going to talk about this idea of being thankful, that having an attitude of gratitude will carry us through the seasons of life regardless of how long they are. You know, in gratitude is an amazing thing. You can do a quick Google search and it will tell you the positive effects on your body by living thankfully living with gratitude. But when we think about the idea of gratitude, you know, it's kind of out there in the world today, and it's just, as a principle, we'll just be thankful. But the deeper question is, who are we thanking? Because thankfulness is actually an interpersonal thing that goes on, and we just can't be thanking the air, right? Who would we be thanking? We would be thanking God, this attitude of gratefulness, the thing that's going to take us through the seasons of life. As we go and as we're jumping over hurdles, as, as we are facing the difficulties of life, this attitude of gratefulness is the thing that's going to carry us through something down deep in our heart, just this attitude that we would have every day that we can be thankful. Now, when we think about the word uh, thankful from the scripture, we would see it as a natural expression of thanks in response to God, to his blessings, to his protection or love. It, thankfulness is a response to something. That as I'm looking at life, as I'm viewing life, I'm responding in a certain way, and the way, the natural way that we should respond to God is to be thankful. And gratitude is not a tool to get God to do something, but it is thankfulness for what he has already done. Do you know that God has done everything for you that you need? Jesus said on the cross, it 
is finished. All provision has been made. So what we're doing is as we're thanking God, we're not trying to butter him up for our future. We're like, man, thank you, God, for what you have done, what you have provided for me that I get to walk in today. Gratitude, I love this definition, is a joyful commitment of one's personality to God. It's a joyful commitment. Because if you're thankful, you're happy. Right? Have you ever, you know, as you've been training your children, one of the things that you have trained them is that you've trained them to say thank you, right? Please say yes. (laughs) You give them something, and what do you tell them? You say, say thank you. This is part of the natural training of parenting. Why are we doing this? Why are we training our children to say thank you? Because we know they didn't deserve it. Right? They didn't do anything except be born. And then we gave them something and we're like, you better say thank you. And then if you get one of these, thank you. You're like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. It's not a sad thank you. Gratitude is not angry or sad or grumpy. It's like, look at me in the eyes, smile on your face. Thank you, dear Father, (laughs) for the wonderful blessings that you have bestowed in my life that I get to eat inside. (laughs) There's a joyful thing. There's a joyful commitment to gratitude. And this is something we need to cultivate. This is something that we need to see that this is how God wants us to live life. So what is my perspective on anything? Have I conditioned myself to be grateful, to be thankful to God regardless of the circumstances of life? How am I perceiving life? How am I looking at life? Am I allowing my life to be conditioned by culture? Because here's what I would say, friends. If you watch the news at all, the news is all negative. The news is all negative. And we go, oh this, is, oh, this is so bad, and this is so bad. And this is, once again, this is how we can, imperceptibly, we can training ourselves that everything in the world is bad. There's a little bit of sensationalism that's going on with the news that we're receiving. And, you know, if, if you think about it deeply, it's, there's missing all the good things. A lot of great things happen. How about just going into some school room where teachers are teaching children and children are learning? What if we just did that every day? Just threw that on the news. Hey, there's a bunch of stuff bad happened today, but let's go to this grade one classroom and see a really great teacher who's teaching their children and they're learning. What if we just threw that into the news? Wouldn't that change our perspective on a few things? But see, in the scripture, this is the prescription of, this is, the, this is what is described how we should live our lives, that we should be grateful, training ourselves to be grateful. So I brought a, a bottle up here with me this morning, and we've all, you know, heard this idea that the optimist will say that this is what? Half full. And the pessimist will say that this is what? Half empty, half empty and the addition recently is the opportunist will drink it. <laughs> but the grateful person will say, thank God for water. 
Thank God that there's a container that I can drink water out of. Thank God that H2O actually supplies what I need for my body. That there's this attitude of great, we can look at life, we can be pessimistic, we can be optimistic, we've been opportunistic. But everything that's going on in our lives, we should be thankful. That there is always something to be thankful and grateful if we remind ourselves. If we don't allow ourselves to be conditioned by the world, but if we allow ourselves to be conditioned from the scripture, we will be grateful. In the Old Testament, they would systematize a pattern of praise. Second Chronicles chapter 31 verse 2 says this, Hezekiah assigned the priests and Levites to the two divisions, each of them according to their duties as priests or Levites to offer burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to minister, to give thanks and to sing praises at the gates of the Lord's dwelling. They made it a system. Like, here, we're going to do this. We're going to organize in such a way that we worship God at the gates. And this is going to be your job. The priests, the Levites, this was their job in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. The temple and the tabernacle, their job was to systematize thanksgiving to God. This is a big reason why we worship at the front end of our service every Sunday. And if you came early, there's a lot of great songs that we sing every Sunday. And why do we do that? Well, we're worshiping God. We're honoring God. It is right that we praise God first. See, we don't, we don't take a survey every week, how was your week? Was it bad or was good? It was you know, somewhere in between? Because it was somewhere in between. It's like, oh, maybe we won't sing a happy song this week. We want to sing a song of joy this week because you and I had a bad week, so we're just, no, it's something we do. We worship God. We remember how great he is. We sing about his love. We sing about his promises. We worship him and we magnify him. They had done this in the Old Testament. And what can happen to us, systematized worship can become dead to us because we do it every Sunday, right? And and it's something we do. It's like, oh, we're just, you know. We're just going to go and we're going to sing. And we have a certain style, a certain form of singing here at the church. It's not the only style. It is a style. It's the style we choose. It's not the more spiritual style than the hymn style. And then the hymn style is not more spiritual than our style. What makes gratefulness valid or worship valid is the heart. See, we can sing hymns or we could sing with Kanye. Good. Someone's like, I don't know if I'm coming back to this church. <laughs> ah. Because why? We're married to a form. But when you hear a heart of praise, it can be hymns, it can be modern songs, it could be hip hop, it could be anything in between, is the heart of gratefulness. See, they systematize it, but anything that gets systematized, you can end up losing the heart, but we don't want to lose the heart of gratefulness. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 says, And now from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, 
has made us a kingdom. What has he made us a kingdom of? Priests to his God and Father. To him be glory. We, we, and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We are a kingdom of priests. They systematized worship in the Old Testament with the priests and Levites, and they said, this is your job. Your job is to worship God. In the new covenant, all of us are priests. That means no one is worshiping on our behalf. There's no such thing as someone going to worship by proxy. Our, Our worship team is not up here to worship for you. They are leading you so you will follow and sing and worship. Don't stare at them. I know they're cool and great and amazing and everything. But don't stare at them. Sing. They will be glad if you sing. They're not worshiping for you. Enter in. And listen, listen, I get it. There's a lot of people from a lot of different church backgrounds. But let me just encourage you, okay? It's good to express your passion and love to God. And, and, and you, listen, I get that some of them are energy. I'm not saying you have, day one, it's like you don't have to jump around. You're going to be okay. I'm not jumping around because I don't want to get out of breath before I have to preach. And I don't want to sweat, okay? It's very practical reasons. But if, you know, just start. This whole thing is about starting, right? So just start. If you're, if you're like, I'm just coming, I'm just going to watch. I'm like, these lights are amazing. Okay, forget about the lights. And just start with this. Even if you're a hand in the pocket, okay? Just be like, okay, I'm, I'm going to sing. I'll sing this morning. I'll sing along with them. And then maybe one day, just as a race that you would run, maybe one day you would take your hand out of your pocket. <laughs> And I get it, it's hard for certain traditions. See, I grew up in a tradition, hey, we're singing, praising, clapping, we're going to be loud in church, but I get it, some of you come from different traditions, and you're not sure if you can, but it's okay. Take your hands out, and then maybe on the fast song, you can be like this. But if you're not, you don't have good rhythm, make sure you follow the drummer. Don't, don't clap off beat. We might have to shut you down. And, there's, and, and another thing, there's no instruments allowed out here, Okay. You're not good enough. Okay. And then it's hand out of the pocket, and maybe one day clapping, and you might actually raise your hand to worship God. Now, once again, listen, we're not, we're not doing this as a form. See, we can do a form and forget why we're doing it. The scripture tells us to lift holy hands. And a little bit what we're doing as we lift holy hands, we're worshiping God, but we are submitting to him. Now, this can become a form. You're like, okay, I'm going to worship today. You got your hands up, but you're thinking about your bank balance. (laughs) So you could fool all the rest of us. That's not the point of worship. The point of worship is to honor God. Thank God. And, and I, like I said, I, I, there's value in raising your hands. There's value in expressing your joy through singing and clapping. And if you're young enough and in shape, you might actually move a little bit. But once again, listen, none of these are requirements. But they are ways for us to express our heart. They're avenues for us to express our, our gratefulness to God. Now, it can become systematized and it can become dead. But don't let it become dead. Any form can become dead, including ours. But it is our heart, the gratefulness to God. 
that we can sing and worship him. That we have breath, like one of our songs says. That we have breath that we can praise God. Is it like, I'm not sure if I like this song. I'm not sure I like the volume. You're missing the point. I have a chance right now to express my heart of gratefulness to God. So don't let the systematized thing become dead. Engage your heart in worship to God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, Through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name continually. Continually worship God. It would just be the thing that I do. Thank you, God, for this. Being thankful is such a good habit to get into. And it's not just a good habit. We'll take a little bit of a side journey. This is a good habit in your family. See, listen, we're we're so used to the earth spinning and the sun rising and getting a, being able to breathe and having our heart beat that we actually forget to say thanks. But there's people who live in our house who do things for us all the time, right? Doing things on their chore list, doing their their, their to-do list that they do in our house. What would be a really good thing for us to do? Man, thank you for doing that. Well, well, do they really need thanks all of the time? Do they really need the acknowledgement? No, it's not for them. It's for you. And that it will actually be a blessing to them. See, if we're not grateful, we become potentially entitled. And entitlement is a terrible place to live. It's just terrible. See, and once again, our, our world sets us up for this. That everywhere we go, most of the time, in the store, there's like a guest service or a customer service where we can go and complain about mistreatment in this store. Because I'm, I'm entitled to good treatment. Based on what? <laughs> what are you entitled to. And why are you entitled to it? Because if, if this is the way you live, listen, if you're going to live entitled, people will never measure up to how you think they should treat you. Because it will never be enough. Because somebody won't treat you just right sometime, right? Has anyone lived on the earth? Somebody is not going to treat you right sometime. And if you think you're entitled to perfect treatment all the time, you're going to constantly live offended. One of my Bible school instructors said this, expect nothing, be thankful for everything. If we lower our expectations on the treatment that we would get from people, we'll just be thankful. Thankful that there are people. Thankful that, uh, that God has blessed me with all that I have. Not living in this constant complaint mode, which the world offers to us. Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. 
See, if we don't let this condition our lives, we will let the customer service attitude condition our lives, and we will come to the throne like we go to the customer service desk at the store. And then we lose out on gratefulness. Okay, I'm, I'm going to pray. Okay, God, I just want to tell you, I'm coming to talk to you today, and my wife, I just, she just didn't live up to what I saw in the movies. <laughs> so you just need to deal with her, God, okay? Just deal with her. And then these kids, it seemed like a really good idea at the time. And I know we prayed and asked for them, but right now, I just don't even know if this was a good idea. So can you, God, can, here's my kids. And my boss, God, is just, you know, is not treating me right. Enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. That we would start and we would change our perspective that we're going to God with thanksgiving first. Not that we're not going to pray about something. Not that we can't be honest with God. But this order is right. This is the right order. God, I thank you. I thank you that I'm alive. I'm so thankful for what you have given to me. And see, if you start, I mean, listen, if you start with life, I know I'm going down deep or up high, whichever you prefer. But if we just start that we are alive, how long can that list be? That we would just keep thanking God. God, I'm so grateful for this. I'm so grateful for that person. So I'm so grateful for all that you've given to me. I'm so thankful for all the opportunities in my life. I'm so thankful for the race that I'm running. I'm so thankful, Lord, that there was a starting place and, and I followed your voice and I, I'm so thankful that I'm going to the finish line. Thank you, God. Just like we tell our kids. What do you say? We give them some. What do you say? What do we say? Thank you. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and with courts with praise. Here's a good verse for all of us. And if this doesn't hit your heart, you're lying in the church today. Here we go. Verse 14 Do all things without grumbling or disputing. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So we're not going to shine by grumbling and disputing. We're not going to shine by just being like everybody else and complain about everything, grumbling and disputing. That's what that means. We're going to argue, and we're going to complain about everything. See, this, this, is, this is what's happening in the world. And listen, and we see it, and we don't like it, but then we do it. We look out in the world, and people are claiming entitlements by a thousand different things. We don't like it. I'm entitled to this based on this. But it's a created thing, friends. You didn't create it. You did not create yourself. 
gratefulness is down deep at the heart of how we should be living our lives on this journey in this season. That we would do everything without grumbling or to speak, do everything without complaining. Would we all agree that that's a tall order? It's hard not to complain. It's very easy to complain. And then once again, complaining moves us to just this entitlement attitude that it deserves, listen, it deserves to be the way I think it should be. What if we all lived our lives like that? We're supposed to be lights in the world. Instead of grumbling and disputing, we're supposed to be giving thanks. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. Give, all, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, I'm going to say it again. I've said it many times, but it's so important with these verses. It's not give thanks for all circumstances. It's give thanks in all circumstances because all circumstances are not from God. Jesus came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. Scripture tells us in James chapter 1 that every good gift comes down from the Father of light in whom there is no shadow of turning. That The bad things that are happening in our lives are not from God. But in negative circumstances that have been brought our way because of the enemy or sin or people's stupid choices in that circumstance, I am going to thank God. Not for it, but in it. This is the will of God for us. To be what? Thankful, not the circumstance. You cannot extrapolate the will of God for your life from a circumstance. But in the circumstance, what is our attitude? Our attitude is, thank you, God, for your grace in this season to see me through. See me through this circumstance that you never leave me or forsake me. That you are always with me. Your spirit empowers me. That is the thanksgiving that should go on in the middle of a difficult circumstance. In the middle of sickness and disease that comes our way, are we thanking God for sickness and disease? No, he doesn't have any to give. What do we thank God for? Thank you, God, for your healing power right now in this season. And this is the will of God for us, that we would give thanks, that we would learn, that we would train ourselves, that we would train ourselves to give thanks. Thank you, God. Thank you for your help. Because I need your help right now. Do you understand? It's just, it's a tweak of the perspective. Because we can complain. Can we complain? Come on, people. Can we complain? We all have a master's degree in it. <laughs> and we practice it all the time. But in all circumstances, God is wanting us to cultivate thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to him. Romans chapter 6, verse 17 says, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Thank God for that. See, this is something very easy to forget. You didn't save yourself. 
Even if you have come to church six weeks in a row, thank God for it. It's good to come to church. Or if you've been in a game, if, you, if you've been in church for decades and decades, thank God for it. But you did not save yourself. Christians can become entitled. I just want you to know, God, 10 years in, I'm 10 years into this situation. And I just want to tell you what I expect based on this decade of faithfulness in the house of God. If it's based on that, then it's not based on grace. Then there's no thankfulness. Listen, the whole thing, the whole thing, and when I mean the whole thing, I mean the whole thing. The whole thing is based on grace. Everything has come from the grace of God. Every, every, everything, everything, the planet we walk on, the galaxy we live in has come from God. It is all grace. What do we say? Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for, thank you that I know you. It is not because of your perfect doctrinal positions that you get blessings from God because your doctrinal positions aren't perfect. Jesus is. So what do we say? Thank you. Thank you that I'm not a slave to sin. Thank you, God, for your grace that you enabled me to walk away from the sin that messed up my life. No, no, I, I walked away this, from the sin because I was such a good Christian. So good. Did you see that? Walk away from sin, the Christian walk. <laughs> I'm amazing. No, it's a gift. It's a gift. And what do we say? Thank you. Thank you, God. I didn't even practice that walk. Here we go. <laughs> Two more stories and then we're done. Matthew chapter 14, verse 15. Some stories with Jesus about thankfulness. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages to buy themselves some food. There's a big multitude there. It's the feeding of the 5,000. And they're there and like, you know, you know, send them home, Jesus. We haven't got enough food for them. You know, they can go and figure their situation out. Verse 16, Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. Give them something to eat. Disciples respond in verse 17, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. And they answered, bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. Now, if you've been in church or you know how stories end, what's going to happen here? The multitude is going to get fed. A miracle is going to take place. A miracle is about to take place. And we sang about it a little bit this morning. That's why it's good to come early and sing all the songs with us. We know there's a miracle about to take place. He took the five loaves and the two fish, which is not enough to feed the multitude. 
It's not enough to satisfy the circumstance that you're in based on what I can see and what I can imagine. Have you ever been there? You're looking at the circumstance and you're looking at the ability of your life or your finances or your resources or your personalities or your qualifications. And you're like, this is not enough. And what could we potentially do? We could complain. Look at, look at that person, they got that. Look at that person, they had this situation. Look at this other person, look at this other circumstance. Look at the, they seem like they have an easy life. Why is it that I have to face this thing? That the, the limitations on my ability, the limitations on my resources, man, in the end of the finish line, looks bigger than what I have right now. Can anyone attest that that is true sometimes? And here Jesus is in the same situation. He wants to feed the 5,000, the insurmountableness of this situation. He looked up to heaven and he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. So some would say this crowd could have been up for 20,000 people, five loaves and two fish, it's not enough. But what did Jesus do? He gave thanks. Give thanks in, in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. Why? Because God's vision for our lives and something is bigger than something we can actually see right in this moment. But what is the thing that got them to the miracle? Thank you for this. What did Jesus say? He took it and he gave thanks for it. God, I don't know how all of this is going to work out. And, I, and I, I know this situation. I know this circumstance. But God, I thank you for right now for where I'm at. And I know I want to get to the finish line. And the finish line looks years away or a degree away or X amount of dollars away. Or I don't know how this relationship can improve. But the finish line looks like a better relationship. But right now, I have very little. What did Jesus do? You thank God for what he had. Listen, you have something. I know you don't have it all. None of us have it all. But there's something that God has placed in your hand. There's, once again, if we just go back to the beginning, you're breathing, friends. You're breathing. You're living. You're thinking. You're acting. Would we say that that's something? This and this, that's what everybody had to start with. Thank you, God, that I get to breathe today. Thank you, God, for the mattress that I got to sleep on. It might be a little bit lumpy right now because it's really old, but thank God that I have a mattress. 
that the thanking of God happened before the miracle took place. How are we gonna get to where we wanna go? What is the attitude that's just gonna sustain us to the finish line? What do we say? Thank you. How about that he's with you? By his spirit. The Holy Spirit of God, the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, the scripture tells us, dwells in you. Is that, is, is that nothing? Is the Holy Spirit of God nothing? Or is it something? It's something. It's like the thing. That he's with you. He, he's empowering you. He's leading you and guiding you. He, he's giving you solutions. He's giving you help. He's giving you strength. Thank you, God, for your spirit on the inside of me. Last story. We'll finish with this. Luke 17, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And he was going into a village, 10, melon, 10 men, excuse me, who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? What does that mean? There's the one who didn't actually have a covenant with God. The one who supposedly didn't actually know God. Then he said to him, rise and go forth. Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Thanksgiving is an expression of faith. We're going to be talking about this next week. So we saw thanks before the miracle. We saw thanks after the miracle. But only one of the 10 came back to thank God. What about the rest of the nine? I deserve this healing. I've been waiting so long. I deserve it at this point. Just for the sake of how patient I've been. Does that sound like entitlement or gratefulness? No, we, we don't want to be that. We want to be grateful for everything that we have, that everything God has given to us before the miracle takes place, after the miracle happens. Thank God for it all. This is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. Let's just take a few seconds and thank God. Thank you for your support. If you want to connect with us, you can find us online at thecitychurch.ca.